This is Pastor Mike from Jordan Lutheran Church, and you're about to hear one of our Sunday morning messages. At Jordan, we're passionate about learning from the Bible and pray that this message makes an impact in your life. How many of you think biblical literacy is on the rise? Biblical literacy on the rise, hands up. And it's at least on the rise in this church because we're reading the Bible. How many of you think it's happening in the nation? Biblical literacy up. Yeah, see, some would suggest that there is actually kind of a turn. Uh, and others are going, I haven't seen the turn yet in my life. Uh, but it's, I mean, it is happening. There, there is kind of this, people are realizing, hey, there's something to this thing that maybe no one was showing me. <laughs> that there's this book that I want to see. Well, guess what? That's what we're doing. Uh, and we're reading First and Second Chronicles. And some of you are like, what church did I just arrive at? I don't think I've ever had First and Second Chronicles preached to me. Well, you will this morning. Well, what I want to share with you is a, an excerpt this is Martin Luther. Uh, so 500 years ago, the pastor is writing, uh, and he would preach through many books. But I want to share an extended uh, excerpt. This is from uh, some of his works, and he writes about Second uh, Kings and Second Chronicles. And this is what he records in the 16th century. Quote, you should take in hand the last book of Kings and the last book of Chronicles and grasp them well. For if one would understand the prophecies, it is necessary that one know how things were in the land how matters lay, what was in the mind of the people, what plans they had in respect to neighbors and friends and enemies, and especially what attitude they took in their country toward God and toward the prophet, whether they held to his word and worship or to idolatry. Uh, just one pastor reminding us, you've got to know the setting. Uh, if you were to hear the account of what 2019 was 100 years from now, uh, you may have a, a different view of it than you have now. How many of you have a clear picture uh, of Woodrow Wilson. But guys, he's like the president. It's Woodrow Wilson. Come on, man. This is, this is important stuff. This is, we're going we're gonna to fix the world. We're going to create a, a, a global identity, and we're going to get, you guys don't, Woodrow Wilson is not coming to mind? See, this is the interesting part. I just share that with you because you're going, yeah, but 2019, everything's, this is the global change. Well, it, it's actually always been that way. Because people living always wanted things to get better. They always have. It's a human thing. We want things to be better. Well, Luther's inviting us, certainly we are as a congregation, be inviting to learn the setting, to know what's happening at any given time. Uh, history kind of points to that likely the writer, we don't know the specific person, is just called a chronicler. So someone who's just recording to us the events that are happening in this time. And it takes you all the way from Adam to the decree of Cyrus, king of Persia. And Cyrus says that the people who are in exile in Babylon can now come back. But we're not there yet. We're still in the front end of 1 Chronicles, and your reading this morning uh, kind of set you up. Now, for the last two weeks, we've looked at 1 and 2 Samuel, we looked at 1 and 2 Kings, and we watched kings have really good days, and we watched kings have really bad months, years. <laughs> Sometimes they had some long, extended problems. Uh, but as we step here, the rise of the monarchy now moves to King David giving thanks. This is where we are, 1 Chronicles uh, 29. This is our reading. We read 1 Chronicles 29, 10 to 19. It was kind of a setting. And this is David as he is writing, giving thanks for the shape that the Lord gives to his people. Because God actually does have a shape he wants people to look like. If you read the Old Testament, he tells you, this is how, if you were to follow in my footsteps, you'd look a certain way. Would you curse at your neighbor? No, probably not going to happen. Would you steal from your neighbor? Would you ever lie, cheat, or steal, or post about that on social media? You wouldn't. 
uh, my kids watched last night um, the, the movie uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet. And anytime I hear of Ralph, if any of you remember Ralph Miller, uh, who was at our church years ago, Ralph goes, they finally made a movie about me when he first saw the first one, uh, where it was uh, Wreck-It Ralph. He wanted a poster. He's like, I need this poster because this is my life. Uh, but in the movie, uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet, you see this idea of the, the fear of reading the comments on social media uh, and, and what that actually means. Like, don't read the comments. The lady tells the, the people there, she says, I should have told you the first rule of the Internet. Never read the comments. As people, we're really kind of brutal in, in what we comment. And we comment on things that we should and we comment on things that we shouldn't. And we comment on things we know nothing about. The kings of Israel commented on things they should never have commented on. They brought things into their lives they should never have brought into their lives because they thought that what they were doing was being helpful. David writes this, he says, but who am I? It's a great question, isn't it, for a king? Who am I? But who am I and what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly? David's blown away, flabbergasted that he can approach God. The fact that he could be able to do that. David knew David, and you know yourself. (laughs) And there's parts of yourself you don't want others to know. Parts of David he didn't want others to know. Text continues, For all things come from you and of your own we have given you, for we are strangers before you and sojourners, as all our fathers were. All the days of the earth are like a shadow, and there is no abiding. Some of you recall that uh, offertory refrain that we use, we give thee but thine own. It's all from God. It's all God's gift. Anything that this church does, uh, is, it's out of generosity that is born of the Spirit. My wife had a co-worker before she was down uh, at work, uh, and the co-worker was talking about like, the church and growth and how were things going. And she's like, oh, it's really, you know, so, and she just asked you, so where, where is it, you know, that like the church gets its money, you know, like, you know, so, you know where does that come from? She, she was talking, she was, well, you know, like the central office, you know, pays you know, for everything, right? It's just a, a central office. I mean, it's really funny when you think about it. So my wife looked at her and said, no, it's not really how church works. Uh, it's actually the church members actually support all of their own bills and desires of what they want. She's like, right, so the central office pays everything, you know. No, that, that's not really how it works. There, there is no central office. The office starts where? It starts with, with us. And so it was with the people of Israel. The central office started with the king. And if the king got offline, if the king went the wrong place, the people went the wrong place. Uh, if the church isn't behind what it's doing, the church won't do what it wants to do or it'll go in another direction. We can quickly wander uh, and see where these things are. Now, the text of First and Second Chronicles is likely written by someone who was a Levite because we get such detail uh, about the worship life of the, of the church. We get these huge extended sections about returning to set back up the temple. Now, first and second kings were talking to us before we got into exile. Now we're looking back uh, and we're, we're kind of glancing back at all the things that we saw. And you kind of get highlights. Now, some of you uh, have had the unfortunate uh, reality of, of looking at a family member who's passed and writing an obituary. And when we write an obituary, we normally will just highlight the things that we want to talk about. So in some ways, what you have in First and Second Chronicles is looking across at Israel's life almost as an obituary. Here's the highlights. They certainly, like sometimes an obituary would say, you know, early on, like if a spouse died or, you know, they lost a child. Those are low points, but they still say because it was formative. In First and Second Chronicles, there are formative things that tell you that Israel still stumbles. 
But all along the way, you've got God caring for them and making sure that they will be able to move forward. But even in the midst of the darkest moment, the Lord still had a plan. The Lord had a plan even for the people that he didn't know. Now, as the service started, I talked about opportunities to help with uh, Hurricane Florence. There's some work that's still moving forward. Now, last fall, we made collections. We made collections and took flood buckets down. And we took them down uh, to the city. We took them down to the local municipality down in Lumberton. And, and, and they set up a whole pallet. And the truth is, we have pictures of the pallet being dropped and forklifts coming and lots of guys, uh, and we were told, uh, Karen and Ron Montagna took those down, uh, and the one person said, great, we were down to our last one. We don't know all the homes that they went to. We didn't get to hear that part of the story. That wasn't our part of the story to know. We just knew we needed to kind of be set in line, ready to have things prepared. Well, so it is with First and Second Chronicles. We have to make sure that we understand what's happening at that moment and at that time so that we can see what's happening now. Now, for some of you, First and Second Chronicles is still kind of just, it's a crazy thing. It's far off, it's distant, it's over 2,500 years away. So what I want to do is kind of set it in light of the reason why. This is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. So I've, I've jumped you forward. I mean, we've, we've moved forward now uh, 500 years approximately just in time from when Chronicles is recorded to, to Corinthians. This is Paul writing to a church in Corinth early uh, in, in the time of the church. So we're probably in the year, say, 50 or 60 AD. Paul writes this to that church. He says, for I do not want you to be unaware, brothers. Now, for some of you, First and Second Chronicles, it will always be unaware to you because you're like, ah, this was my chance to read it, and I didn't even get to the focus reading. Others of you read it all, and you're still like, I still feel unaware. Well, this is Paul. This is why I wanted to kind of bring him into us this morning. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and all ate the same spiritual drink. Now, this isn't taking you first and second chronicles. This is taking you where? Yeah, see, we're, we're going back to the Exodus. So we went back to Moses, but we're getting this picture as to why this matters. Why it is that we're hearing Paul make sure the church knows this. He says, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. And the rock was Christ. Now that's kind of a cool thing, isn't it? So you've got all those stories we read, and now we've got Paul saying that when they were there in the Exodus, they're drinking from a spiritual rock, and the rock they're actually standing on is, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand this is why good hymns are worth knowing uh, you get foundational pieces so you've got this there the rock that followed them the rock was christ nevertheless with most of them god was not pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness now these things took place and here's why i want you to see this this morning these things took place as examples for us and then it gets even better that we might not desire evil as they did See, God's telling us the story of First and Second Chronicles that we might even see the stumbling, see the falling, and go, I don't want that for myself. Many of you have some story in your childhood, some, that you don't want someone to know about. But if the Lord blessed you with kids or cousins or nephews or nieces, you had the chance to kind of help shape them a little bit and to be able, maybe not to tell them the story you don't want anyone to know, but to say, when given a choice between these types of items, you might choose this item. And they look at you and say, why are you telling me this lesson? 
for no reason. I'm just suggesting it. And then 30 years later, they're going to hear the story of why you said that, and they're going to go, whoa, grandma was crazy. <laughs> yeah, this is fun about family. And they're going to say, yeah, Uncle Milton, he was an interesting guy. His story makes a lot more sense now. See, we get shaped by those things in our life that matter. I've shared it before, but quickly on my Uncle Melton. You go into his house in summer, it was 84 degrees. Why? Why would the man have the heat on in the summer? Because he froze himself the summer he served in the Second World War in France. In that winter in France, he froze. And he promised himself on the battlefield he would never be cold the rest of his life. Man worked as a great lawyer in Baltimore and did lots of stuff, and BG&E lost their favorite customer the day that Milton Zeller died. Because I think the power grid just kind of... <laughs> they're like, we have ample power. Something has changed. See, the stories matter. Because you would have walked into Milton's house and you'd have been, this guy's crazy. I'm sweating in his house, truly. When you don't know the story. The examples are given to you in First and Second Chronicles, First and Second Kings, so that you would recognize where failings were so you wouldn't fail in the same place. <laughs> the sorrow of growing up, though, is your parents want to teach you not to make failings, and guess what we do? We make our own new ones. But God's still there with you. I mean, you made new ones that sometimes hopefully seem smaller than your parents or sometimes are, are massively larger and, and more dynamic. This is 2 Chronicles 7. Listen to the words. This is what the Lord speaks to Solomon. I'm just going to read it. It's not going to be presented. It's a longer reading, and I'll give you the back end of it. Uh, so this is what the Lord says to Solomon when the temple's completed. So David wasn't able to make it. All these arrangements are made. You've got this Levite giving us a picture of how it unfolds. The Lord says this, For now I have chosen and consecrated this house, that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. And as for you, if you walk before me as David your father walked, doing according to all that I have commanded you and keeping my statutes and my rules, then I will establish your royal throne as I covenanted with David your father, saying, You shall not lack a man to rule Israel. But if you turn aside and forsake my statutes and my commandments that I have set before you and serve others, and serve other gods and worship them, then I will pluck you up from my land that I have given you. And this house that I have consecrated for my name, I will cast out of my sight, and I will make it a proverb and a byword among the people. Do you hear that? If they wander, that house will be taken. If you wander, that temple will be destroyed. All the stuff that you thought was yours. Well, we built a church. Trust me, it's going to be an awesome next two years. If you don't know it, cool things are happening, uh, and you're going to learn a whole lot more from our construction committee and land, and we're learning all the time. I mean, it's awesome. But don't miss for a minute the same thing that was spoken to Solomon about the temple. Just because you build something doesn't mean you arrived. See, we're actually already there because Christ is in this house right now. He's in this place. This weird black and green checkered starlit theater. Which most of you now consider home. I mean, after 10 years I come in here, I feel like it's kind of my place. Management doesn't say anything to us. Why? Because they have complete trust in us. This is kind of like a place that we hang out. I liked that chuckle. That was nice. <laughs> so either that's me, like you agree with me, or like, 
I don't consider church a hangout, Pastor, but thank you. Second Chronicles 7.20, when the Lord continues in speaking to Solomon, and at this house, which was exalted, everyone passing by will be astonished and say, why has the Lord done this to this land and to this house? Again, this is the warning. He said, if you didn't follow me, it'd collapse. Then they will say, because they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who brought them out of the land of Egypt and laid hold on other gods, worshiped them and served them. Therefore, he has brought all this disaster on them. See, God laid it out and said, if you wander from me, I'll take it all. Because it was mine to give and it's mine to take. You see, that's where we started in Chronicles. David goes, who am I? Who am I? It's all yours, Lord. Solomon gets to build the temple, but the warning is clear. You can build it, sure, but you've got to build it on Christ, and Christ has to be the center of it at all times. Interesting how the Old Testament is actually all about Christ, isn't it? It's all about that central message. He doesn't just appear. What did we hear all the way back? We went to 1 Corinthians 10 so that Paul could tell us that all the way back at the Exodus was about drinking from the spiritual rock, who is Christ. Because Christ means the promised one, the Messiah. No, Paul doesn't talk about there Jesus. He refers to what the Jewish people would have known, the Christ, because they knew of the coming one, the anointed one. Now, yes, does the church in Corinth know his name is Jesus of Nazareth? All God's people said, yes, they did. It's 1 Corinthians 10. They got that. Now, there are some that maybe didn't fully believe in the midst. This is just like churches today. Does every person who attends a church on Sunday morning fully believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that by believing they have a life in his name? If we're intellectually honest, probably not, which is really awesome, though, isn't it? Because that means God drew someone into church who doesn't fully know so that they might hear and that the Spirit might work on them. And then all God's people said, whoop, whoop. I mean, that's exciting stuff. It should be. I mean, if it's not, then you're kind of like, oh, well, you know, come to church, sit quietly, head down. I mean, that's not it. Like, you should get jazzed for church. This story is limitless. A God, who, I mean, a God who, as we, I went through Bible class. I mean, it's so cool. I just want to share it. So maybe come to Bible class. Get excited for this stuff. There's an account in Chronicles where he sends out his army and he puts the choir in front. And they win. I mean, that's cool. That's God saying, I'll do whatever I want because I'm God. And I love you. And I will stop at nothing to make you mine. You are my precious treasure. But those words there, they're stern. That doesn't sound real nice, though, does it? That's some Old Testament stuff there. You wander, you go away, disaster's coming. And this is why some of you are looking up there going, this is why I don't read the Old Testament. I don't like that. I don't want that. That's not where it ends. You see, the, the text actually takes you to another place because this is still 500 years before 1 Corinthians. Now, 1 Corinthians 6, four chapters before they heard that they were drinking from the same spiritual rock as they were back with Moses' day, we heard this text, Do you not know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You're not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. God purchased you. 
He's actually paid a ransom price for you. And that price was his life. He literally died for you, which was where you and I were headed. Our rebellion from God was going to lead to our death. There's a lot of Old Testament in the New Testament. We're just afraid to say it. People are like, oh, there's so much death in the Old Testament. Do you know what's going to happen in the New Testament were it not for the Christ? A whole lot of death. Thanks be to God, that's not our story. You see, our story says we are a temple of the Holy Spirit. God has worked in us. He washed us in waters of baptism. He bathes us in his scripture this morning. And he says, we're going to a new place. And this new place is even better than you could imagine. Now, First and Second Chronicles are kind of interesting because of where they get placed in the scriptures. Uh, in the Hebrew scriptures, they're actually the last books. So all the prophets come before and you get First and Second Chronicles, and it leaves you with this, hey, you heard all the prophets, and now get the salvation narrative all laid end to end so you can kind of hear it. And it takes you from Adam is the first word, um, which Adam... Uh, it's actually kind of neat if you didn't know this. Uh, Adam, uh, the Hebrew word for Adam, get ready for it, you'll know it. Adam, so now you can kind of get Adam. Do you know what earth is? Adama, because Adam's made out of the earth. So that's the start, is you're taken up out of the earth. And then the end, this is a really cool thing. The end of First Chronicles is, let's go. Let's go. Let's go up. We're, we're going up. That your story takes you from being taken out of the earth to let's go up. And we're living where? Between being taken out of the earth to let's go up. This is Lent, is it not? <laughs> From dust you were to dust you shall return. Out of the earth to let's go up. Because you are anticipating us getting to Easter. It's coming. But here's the really cool thing. Easter is just the start of the fun. It gets better. Because God's doing infinitely more than just Easter. Easter is him saying, I did that. And in your baptism, you're going to do the same thing. That resurrection that you saw from me, I'm just the first fruits. It's going to get better. You thought life in a theater was good? It's going to get better. You thought life in your own land, in your own building was good? Guess what? It's going to get better. Because that's what God does. He's taking us up. He picks us up and says, I love you. I died for you. I rose for you. And I live for you each and every minute of every day. Amen. We're glad you've connected with us online and look forward to the opportunity to see you in person. On behalf of everyone at Jordan, we hope you will join us as we gather in worship of our Savior Jesus Christ every Sunday morning at 9.30 at Beaver Creek Cinemas in the peak of good living, Apex, North Carolina.